Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to stay tuned after today's interview for Holla Back. That's my Q&A where I'm answering questions from my listeners, so be sure to stay tuned. Danny Pellegrino is a writer and host of the hit podcast, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. Since launching in 2017, Danny has interviewed guests from Katie Kirk to Andy Cohen and Cameron Diaz and every Real Housewife from every city, just about, along with recapping your favorite Bravo shows. His show has been featured everywhere from Vogue to Today and E, and he sold out his live shows across the country. His spinoff podcast, A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, is back right now, season two, and he's recapping holiday movies. He's the co-author of Fancy AF Cocktails, the best-selling cocktail book released in 2019, He's a screenwriter with his first feature film in development right now. He recently just sold a game show concept that he created and set to host. He's from Cleveland, Ohio. He currently lives in Los Angeles with his boyfriend, and Danny Pellegrino is in my heart. Welcome, Danny. Well, Heather, you've been in my heart for years, so it's so exciting to be here, and I loved having you on my show, and I still have more questions for you, but I got to know so much about you and I was a so impressed and so excited to get to know you. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. I love that. Well, it is funny because when you're on a reality television show, people do know you, they definitely get to know you, but it's just like edited version of yourself. And so I really like to meet people who kind of know me from the show, but then really get to see the whole me, not the, you know, edited right. in a, you know, 30 minute moment. <laughs> well, and I've interviewed a lot of housewives. And one of the things I think that gets lost in translation a lot of times with the shows on Bravo is that we do just get a small piece. And a lot of times the women are hired for housewives because they have this really interesting, complex background, whether it be in business or in social work or whatever it is. And then that gets sort of edited out. And we come to know you guys as uh, the housewives and all that other stuff kind of gets thrown by the wayside a little bit. 
Yeah, you, you see the worst possible versions of ourselves. <laughs> right, but it was so fun. You have such a like interesting past, even with the fashion stuff, which we just sort of like got into a little bit when you came on my show. But it's like, you were part of these like huge iconic moments in fashion and pop culture and stuff. And that stuff, although probably when you were on the show, it was maybe introduced to us for a minute or two. It's like, we forget. And so it happens a lot with Housewives though, but- I find that a lot of you guys or, or alum of Housewives have had such interesting careers outside of the show um, that it fascinates me. I love that you say that. And when you're talking to me, what's coming into my mind, these thoughts are coming into my mind is that it's like fighting for airtime. The loudest and the boldest and the most brazen wins the airtime. And so I think that that takes then precedent over sometimes some of the other important things. And I wasn't going to start with this, but I'm going to kind of dive right in because I like to stay organic. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like now that you've, you know, you've been a fan of the show for a long time, you obviously have built a business for yourself along with your, you know, you have a degree in journalism. So this is not like you just pulled this out of a hat trick. Like, so I'll I'll get to that. You, You know, you have integrity behind this podcast, but I a whole ton of that, a little bit. (laughs) Well, it is the subject matter after all. Right. So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the important side of it though, really. And what do you think generally about this franchise that this big monster that's called the housewives and how it started and where it is today and like where it's going as someone who's kind of an expert in it? Yeah, you know, I can't stress this enough, but whether you look at scripted television, scripted entertainment, or or reality TV, there's nowhere else in the landscape of pop culture where you can see women over a certain age talking about sex, talking about divorce, losing their husbands, starting businesses, closing businesses. These are just things that, unfortunately, I wish we saw more of in scripted television, but we don't. And so being able to see those sides of of women specifically on The Real Housewives, I think is so incredibly important. And yes, a lot of people watch for the messiness and there's certain things on there that happen that maybe people will watch and feel uncomfortable with or, or feel like it crosses the line or something like that. But overall, I think that's the real takeaway for me that I find is so important because until we start seeing that representation in other places, it's so important that we have it on reality TV and, and specifically The Real Housewives. I think gay men throughout history, we weren't always represented on screen. So I think gay men, if you, if you talk to, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for what I've realized is like, I know a lot of gay men who grew up worshiping the Golden Girls, for instance. Yes. And in the early 90s, and we share. kind of- And share And all of these complicated women. Yes. Powerful and messy and- all these different sides to these women. And I I think largely that's because we couldn't see ourselves portrayed in pop culture. So we weren't seeing a show about four men living in Miami together and having sex with people and all that kind of stuff, even though that was maybe our lifestyle. And what we've come to find out later is shows like Golden Girls or, or Sex in the City or things like that, they were largely written and created by gay men. So a lot of times the women were sort of the surrogates for um, these men who were behind the scenes creating these characters and so I think throughout history, gay men in specifically tend to gravitate towards messy women and, and seeing themselves portrayed in that way and also being the underdog because LGBTQ people in general are more the underdogs in society. And so the closest representation to that on screen is going to be a, a woman and specifically a woman over the age of, let's say, you know, 30 or 40. 
get dressed so, dynamically with the lashes and the moment and all the heels and all of that stuff and the one-liners the and the drops and the dramas. Is that how Everything Iconic came about? That's Danny's show. For those of you who don't know his amazing podcast, you have to please tune into it. But is that how Everything Iconic came about? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I love this whole idea of camp. And, uh, you know, there was the whole idea for the show is I love pop culture. I love celebrity, all that stuff ever since I was a little kid. And I remember Britney Spears, who I love and worship. I think she's amazing. But she had posted just a picture of an ear of corn on her social media. It was just like a picture of an ear of corn. Like just that's it. That's all it was. And so many people were commenting on it. Iconic, iconic, iconic. Like gay men were just like in the comments saying that. And I thought, how funny, but also how great that people just love this pop culture person so much that they're celebrating the most ridiculous thing, but they're celebrating. It's a celebration, but it's also funny. And so that's kind of like where the the name came from. And and I always, I like all this stuff. I love pop culture. And so I, I try to celebrate, even with Housewives, it's like, I can be a little snarky or, or whatever, but for the most part, I love watching this this stuff. And so I, I celebrate it and, and I try to come at it from that angle. I think other people do kind of the mean humor. I think that has its place and other people do a really good job of it, but I always try my best at least to, to celebrate all of the messiness and, and insanity and ridiculousness of all of it. Well, I like that you celebrate it and it sounds as though you kind of put it in its place, but I definitely know from my own experience that people get really vested in the shows. And they, I mean, like there's fans who will cut a bitch if you go up against their person or whatever. And I, I, hopefully my fans don't want to cut anybody, but I think that's a healthy perspective on it. But do you think that it's feeding some negativity out there? Oh, yeah. I remember the season where it was like a season of Roni where it was Bethany versus Carol. And I was recapping it weekly on my show. And at that point I had never gotten so many like mean messages because I was actually team Carol, which was like controversial amongst a lot of people. But I was getting these like very aggressive messages and I was like, oh my God, like there's a dark side to all of this too, where up until that point, I thought we're all just having fun and like week to week we change. I had all, I, I still to this day, like one week I'll be on this person's side, the next I'll be on another person's side. But it's sort of gotten to this point where now everything in our country in general is so divided into two groups and that translates onto these shows where it's like, if you're not, you're ride or die for one person, if you insult them at all, even in the slightest, their people will come after you. And I, I noticed that with, that was a few seasons ago, but the Bethany versus Carol. And then it also happened on the Real Houses of Beverly Hills. There was a Lisa Vanderpump season with like the doggy or puppy gate situation. And that was like, I'd never seen such intensity online. And, and I see then also... I, on my Instagram account, I post a lot of like clips and memes and stuff like that. And I started to see the things that people would write to you guys. Like if I posted a meme of you or, or Sonia or whoever it is, mm-hmm. I would see some of the things they would think I was the person in the meme. Like, because right. a lot of people just, they're just scrolling. They see Sonia Morgan or something. And I would see the things they would write to people. And I'm like, oh my God, if that's what I'm seeing, I can only imagine what you're seeing or what the housewife is seeing. So yeah. There is definitely a part of that. And I wish we could get back early in Housewives. It, I, I don't believe it was as toxic as it is now. I don't know what exactly shifted, if it's just culturally or what. Did you notice the shift when you were on the show? Did you notice the shift? Yes, yeah. definitely. I was on the show six years ago and I, and I call those the good old days, you know, after making a few cameos as I, you know, like to do. 
but I like to bring lightness into the show. And, you know, because one of the things that I always say about the housewives is I had some of my hardest laughs filming the show. I also had some pretty, you know, sleepless nights, you know, when you think about how many hours you filled and all the drama that happened and how it's going to be edited. And, you know, it definitely is, you know, taxing and it's, it's, it's a toxic environment just on that nature, but it's, it shifted for me for sure. I mean, it just goes to like the lowest common denominator. And you talk about people being mean or people taking things to, you know, the umpteenth degree on the show. But what about just a blatant lie where someone says something like outlandish about you and then you wind up having to defend that? It's just like if I sat here and said, well, you're a real deadbeat and you never, you know, you just borrow money all the time and you don't even have a job. Even when you have it, you have a job that's public, right? You're like, I don't have a job. And that becomes your storyline almost. And then that becomes a storyline, you you know, and I always have this saying that one of the mothers that I grew up around taught me, defenses are what they do. Oh, yeah, right. You got to think about that one for a second, but defenses are what they do. So when you're defending something, it's usually because it's true, right? Right. But in an atmosphere like the housewives, it's almost impossible. You know, they're going to catch you at some point you know, trying to defend yourself, especially when you're attacked by an arsenal. <laughs> and I was going to say also what a mind fuck for you. You just said that quote and I'm thinking, but in a housewives universe, you don't know what they're going to edit. So you could say, well, I'm not going to defend myself, but then you don't know what the person's saying in their confessional. Oh yeah. It, it, it's multifaceted toxicity. But I do believe, I mean, I, I, I mentioned this to Andy on my podcast because when I had him on, and I know that we both had him on, and I'm sorry. He was great. I, I, I know, he was I great on your, your show, butt. though. Oh, he was great. I know. And, I know, you know, great. the conversation I had with him was, what's the future? Where are we going when the world is in the situation that it's in? And I would say that normally, you know, back in the day when Housewives started, people love to tune in to tune out of their own life. You know what I mean? And watch this Mm -hmm. craziness and watch these women. And it was like a how it was like a soap opera. And you could literally tune in weeks later and still catch up to what was kind of happening. And I I love that idea of it. But I don't know why it needs to be so dark. I mean, I don't know. I mean, conflict doesn't have to be so devastating. And if you really look at the history from only, you know, the three years that I was on it is what I really paid the most attention to. I mean, there was a lot of devastating stuff that happened. I mean, there was suicides, there's marriage breakups, there's bankruptcies, there's terrible things that happened. Right. You know, I think what's interesting about the Housewives franchise is sort of the light and the dark. And sometimes the, the best fights or arguments to me are the most ridiculous ones. Like, Thinking of your season, I remember that season where you guys were going to Atlantic City and Sonia wouldn't let you guys in the house, in the limo. And that was, to me, one of the all-time greatest episodes of any franchise. It's like perfect episode, perfect TV. But that's not, I wouldn't consider that like a dark No, kind of and guess thing. what? It was real. Right. Nothing was made up. Sonia would not let me in her house and it made me incensed. Like Heather, I- you gave one of the best monologues of all time in your confessional that episode when you're like... I walked you up the stairs. I put you in bed. It's like a whole Shakespearean monologue. It's so great. (laughs) Well, it was true and it was honest, but I get beat up a lot on the show because I talk about the women on my podcast, which is really funny because like I'm on the cabaret show with like a picture of, you know what I mean? It's kind of funny, but then again, that's the show, right? Don't talk about me in the press. Whatever you do, right. you've been talking about us in the press. You know, it's like, meanwhile, the press is what they love the most. It's pretty funny. 
But and um, New, York, New York has a different thing than a lot of the franchises where the press is part of the action. Whereas something like Salt Lake City, which is the new franchise, or some of the other ones, their press isn't as big of a thing. But New York has always been like the press has been so, a thing. Honest truth. Knowing that you were coming on, Ella, my daughter and I, I wanted to watch Salt Lake City because I'm an adventure girl. I'm a skier. I'm an outdoors girl. And I thought, now these are my ladies. Like, right. they'll be the ones that I can relate to. And I'm like, let's tune it on. And so, so what do you think? Well, first of all, I'm sure they're active. I haven't gotten that far yet. But it's really about the Mormon church. And it's about, you know, and of course, Salt Lake City, like, I would be silly not to think that. But I was really just thinking about, like, relativity of people, you know, maybe they climb mountains and they ski and, you know, and they do, I mean, they're active, but it wasn't what I expected, which was, I guess, silly of me because they do represent like, kind of like the stereotype of the franchise, right? Eyelashes and stuff like that. But I got sucked in. I mean, Ellen, now we made a pact that we'll watch it together. And I haven't watched the housewives episode series rather since New York, since I left the franchise, I've caught a glimpse of something here or there, but now we're going to watch the full season of Salt Lake. So girls, I'm watching. I can't wait. You know what I mean? Now we're all going to tune into your podcast because now we want to know like what we want to know what you're thinking as this as a season. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it because it's really outside of anything. It's not Jersey and New York and Beverly Hills and all the stuff that kind of I know. Yeah, it's a whole world I don't know. I loved it. I loved the Salt Lake City. I thought it was so such a fresh franchise. And I felt similarly to you where I was like, I don't really know this culture that we're being introduced to. Yeah, I only go skiing there. That's really what I know about it. And I used to get mad I couldn't have two drinks at one time. <laughs> I wanted like a beer with a whiskey chaser. And they're like, we can't That's do that funny. here. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, 2020, to say the least, has been a lot. And, you know, we all can benefit from less stress and more sleep in our lives. It really is so important to get enough sleep. It's so important to take care of ourselves and invest in our well-being, especially during times of anxiety. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Calm. It's an app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. I know because I have the app and I use it. And when you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, You just feel better in every part of your life. So for listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off of a Calm premium subscription. Yay! That's at calm.com backslash in my heart, and you'll get 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content. It's added every week. So you've got to get started today because a restful night's sleep is just a click away. Calm.com backslash in my heart. That's C-A-L-M dot com backslash in my heart. Don't sleep on it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. that you can always keep things so positive like you do on social media you're doing right now and celebrating as you say topics like the housewives you know when the internet can really be such a toxic and negative place are you nervous wait i'm going to interrupt you for a second are you nervous to kind of dip your toe back in next season with social media or how are you feeling i've definitely grown thick skin with it I can't wait to talk more about it i mean like i definitely am a friend of the show and so i don't want to give anything away But it wasn't what I expected, and it sealed the deal for me. You know what I mean? Like, I I definitely know that the decisions that sometimes we make in life, you like, you wonder if they were the right decisions or not. And the decision that I've made in terms of returning to the show is really the right decision. So I, I really feel like there's no more wonder or, you know, I definitely feel like I know the answer solidly. And I'm really glad that I've had the opportunity to get back in and decide if it's right or not. Oh, good. Well, I'm so excited. And I've heard things which I, I don't like to spoil. Do you want to, sh- do you want to share them now? No, or should we wait? Cause we're friends of the show, so we can't spoil, but we, yeah, yeah. But but ahead, I, I've something. heard it's, I've heard it's good. Well, I can't say we saw like uh, you on a bus with, of course, the cast members. So we know you're around and you've, you've said officially you're a friend of, right? Like a. Yeah. So I am, I have made, since I left the show, I've made cameos on the show and thank you fans. Like they're always like, it's not enough. We want more, blah, 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 blah. And so the idea of going back full time, it's really a lot of work. I mean, people don't think it is. It's like, it's a, it's a big full-time job. And then when you're not on the show, you're still kind of on the show. So like holding a golden apple, which I always said, like, I don't even know if they do that anymore, but like that ship has sailed for me, but the potential of being able to come in and out, that was something that I was interested in entertaining. And I loved my experience on the housewives. I have a regard for all of the cast members that I worked with. I'm in touch still with most of them. The authentic relationships that were real remain and those that weren't have dissolved. And some of them I'm sad about, but I can't change who people are or what the dynamic is. And who are you sad about? I'm sad about the countess a little bit. I really okay. am. That that yeah. that relationship hurt like hurt my feet. Like it really did. But I know that she she doesn't get it. We live on different levels of, you know, worlds. And when I, I was her world in the housewife, and when I was no longer housewife, I was no longer her world. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. I wished more for that. Right. And I thought that a return could help work through some of that. And I thought that would be really great. But it didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, how's the, know. What's the vibe like without Dorinda? I mean, have you gotten a sense of what it's like without her around? Well, you know, yes, I have a little bit. And I only filmed one season with Dorinda. Yeah. And I really much prefer our relationship off the show than I did on the show. You know, she was such a force on the show. And she has, you know, relationships or even like relationships that are unraveled because of it that are still like truly happening. And so that can't not come up. 
but I do, it's, it's what was interesting to me is, is like this fourth wall thing. So when I joined the show, I mean, the fourth wall was like off limits. It was like the Berlin wall. Like you didn't want to go there, you know, it was really a, a big thing. And now it's not. And for me, I feel like it's, you got to make the decision. You're d- being on the fence with it is I think yeah. confusing and difficult and not an unfair, whatever you want to say, but people get to play by their own rules. And then you have like an OG who's like, well, we don't really talk about that. And then you have like a new G who's like, we're out of talking about everything yeah, and yeah. that I feel no matter whether it's true or, or was on a show. Yeah. And I think also what's interesting to me is and this is my own personal experience. I didn't watch the show before I joined the show. So I really didn't have any preconceived notions. I really let it happen organically. And I still work within those same guidelines. You know, if I were to walk onto the set of like, if they called me and said, you've got to go to Salt Lake City Housewives, like I'd stop watching the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that so I could, could go walk fresh. on and I could be real and fresh and learn the relationships. And I don't know that that's the case when you're you know, hiring people now who have been watching the show, you know, even double timing on episodes. That's just me. I don't produce. So you're the show. referring, are you referring to the new Ebony or I'm talking about anybody, anybody, who, you yeah. know, like if all you're right. casting okay. someone on the show now, all these years later, they know the chances are they've watched the show. I was still in that, like the housewives was only around for like four years when I joined. So I was like a fresh pluck. Yeah. And when they started the franchise, they were fresh plucks, you know? So now when you're onboarding new casting, I think the casting is really important. And, you know, talking about pop culture issues and current issues, you know, when you're talking about current issues and they are as important as they are now, and we're as divided as we are now, like, I just feel like there has to be an avenue of that in a reality show that the women have to be embracing of. And I can't speak to any other franchise in my own because I really never watched them except for the first season of Beverly Hills. And they weren't talking about pop culture. I mean, it wasn't, it was about the women getting to know each other and all that kind of stuff and the dynamics. But what do you think about the future of the franchise? Do you think there's going to have to be some like real life current event stuff? I mean, I I think the show just has to evolve. Like any show that has been on this long, it needs to start evolving. And I think Bravo's done a great job of that. And I hope they continue on, particularly you mentioned the fourth wall. I think they need to keep breaking that down slowly, but surely. And I think that's what's interesting to the viewer now is seeing the behind the scenes mechanics and MTV, they started breaking down that fourth wall very um, a few years back on their reality shows. They do a show called Teen Mom, where now the producers are literally on camera and Bravo's show, we've seen Bravo show the producers once or twice, or we hear the soundbite in the confessional, but I'm interested in that happening more and more. And I think that's exciting. I don't know that, you know, Andy has said he doesn't think they'll fully break it down, mm-hmm. but I, I like dipping, dipping and just evolving in that way. I think that's what's interesting to the viewer. I, what's was so fascinating about Salt Lake City was there was this fight over something ridiculous. On New Jersey Housewives, they had the table flip, right? And that was like the big moment that Iconic a water cooler moment. moment yes. right? And you can't recreate that. Like you can't just have a new franchise mm-hmm. come on the air and flip the table. So you have to come at it from a different angle. And what I thought was so 
brilliant of the Salt Lake City editors and people were that they focused on this fight that was so silly and ridiculous about a hospital smell and one woman I know, said the, I know, I know. I, I love mean, the hospital smell. I mean, it's amazing. It's like insanity, right? And it's like, that was so interesting to me as the viewer because it's like, oh, I've never seen this fight before. Or even just the Mormon religion and introducing us to a, a culture that me specifically, I'm not super familiar with. So I, I hope that Housewives just keeps doing that, bringing people in who maybe are different kind of people yes, that we don't know. in the casting. You know what's interesting about that? I mean, I can't believe we're talking about Housewives so much, but because I want to talk about you. But I love it. No, I love it. Thing. I know you do. Yeah. You, li- you live Yeah, for what it. are you talking about? But yeah. <laughs> keep talking. What I loved about the hospital scene, and this is important, it showed perspective. Mm-hmm. The producers of that, show showed the perspective of both the women and why it was hurtful and why it was uncomfortable. This is an uncomfortable thing for me because of this reason. Now, obviously everybody could have more couth and, you know, you could say things more kindly, but then we wouldn't have a show, but I like that. I got to see the perspective on it. And I think that that's, what's important because we do need to listen to each other more. We need to understand that misunderstandings or differences of opinion or experience can actually bring us together once we listen. Mm -hmm. And I really, really appreciated that. And I know I look at the shows now from a different lens than, you know, most of the audience, but I was proud of the production team of showing both sides of the story. One was a very painful and hurtful situation currently. And one was a very painful and hurtful situation in the past. And they're both individuals and they both have the rights to their feelings. And once they could understand it a little bit, you know, obviously the casting is the delivery and the, the, the dynamic of the individual, but I really thought that that was great. And that's what I would like to see. I mean, that's what I felt like we had when I was on the show, we had conflict and resolve like Carol and I, you know, people really got to see the true thing. That fight with Sonia was real. And so I don't know, making up stuff about fake shit, you know, people talking about people in the press and when that's fourth wall, I don't think, I personally don't think it does anything to move it forward. So, but I really think the fourth wall should be gone. That's my opinion. It's a reality show. People used to ask me all the time, like, did you get so tired of the cameras following you around everywhere? I go, it wasn't the real world. I said, the cameras came where they were invited, Right. you know? And so I like that. But if we're going to break the fourth wall, I mean, I think we should then the cameras have to be in a lot more places and you have to see the the truth of the story because it can't just be one person saying something. And then everyone's like, Oh my God, did that really happen when it mm-hmm. didn't, you know, yeah. we saw that a little bit in my, in my series, but yeah, it's got to keep evolving and it's yes. all based on casting. I mean, we look uh, looking at Roni, if Leah coming in, I don't think anyone expected her to be such a, a great presence on the show. And here she was, it was like, we got someone no one expected. It's all about casting. Yeah. I I mean, and she was a fan of the show, you know, 12 months before she got signed. So, you know, one season, we'll see how it goes. Oh, that's interesting, Heather. Wait, tell me more. Tell me more. What's going on in her next season? Let's talk about anxiety (laughs) and mental health. Oh, I got a lot of anxiety. I got (laughs) a lot of that. Exactly. Because, you know, you've really been open about your personal struggles with depression and anxiety and just overall mental health. And, so I, I would be really remiss in not just asking you point blank as someone who cares about you and as a friend, like uh, how you're holding up during these times. Yeah, I, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. I had like a really awful health year and I, I've been sort of cagey on my show about it, but I, I went through like the first eight months of the year where I was in and out of the hospital quite a bit. I had my appendix burst in January. And then since then it was like 
Oh, did yours? Uh, yeah, my appendix yeah. also yeah. burst. That's not a good. So that's not a good thing. It's scary, and you're sick for a long time. The recovery is very long. The recovery in it, it sort of snowballed. I had all these other health issues that were a result of that. And I, I was at the emergency room like three or four times over the summertime during COVID and everything. And and mm. so it, it's, I'm on the other side of it. I knock on wood. I'm like, every time I say that, I'm like, oh, I hope nothing comes back or anything. But I, so I think I'm on the other side of it. So mentally now I'm great, but there was like a eight month period of the year where we were all going through all of this stuff culturally with the pandemic and everything and I'm someone who suffers from depression, anxiety anyway, yeah. and then adding all this health stuff where I just felt like broken almost. And I w- had no energy. I was, I was a mess, but I think I'm on the other side of all that now. So I've, I've been very happy. And that's a weird thing too, right now, because of the pandemic, it's like, I'm really happy, but then I realize that's not where the rest of the world is at always. So, so what? Embrace your happiness when it's yours, because, you know, literally we have one person at the end of the day to answer to and look in the mirror. And if you're not happy, then the people around you aren't going to be happy. And so you, you do have to put the oxygen mask on first. Is there anything that you could lend to some of the people that are experiencing anxiety, whether it's like clinical or it's just, you know, what's happening today? Is there any helpful, particularly helpful tips that you can give to stay kind of in a good positive state? Yeah. I mean, number one, if you can talk to a professional, talk to a professional, talk to someone, it's so important to get the feelings that you have off your chest, ideally with a professional, but I know some people don't necessarily feel comfortable. So at least start talking with someone close to you if you can. Um, But also there's all these like little things that really helped me when I was at like my real low point a few years back. There, there's all these things that you hear that sound so silly, like whether it be meditation, there's meditation apps on your phone, like a, a app called Headspace is great where you could do these like five, calm. yeah, you could do these like five minute guided uh, meditations, which are so great or, or journaling, or I think it's really important to consume things that make you feel better. I mean, I talk about pop culture all the time and it's like, there's a lot of shows like I just can't take in. And I've realized that as I get older, it's like, yeah, that show might be something everyone's talking about. It's supposed to be so good. And, but it's a drama that I know is going to spiral me in certain ways. So it's like, I can't consume that. Or even Adele, I love Adele. That's a cheesy example, but it's like, there's certain times where I can't listen to Adele. Like, I yeah, can't do exactly. it. Cause it'll put me in, I know how it affects me. And yeah, so, there's nothing cheesy about Adele. It's serious. Right. Right. It's serious. <laughs> and so all of those little things, eating healthy, working out those cheesy things that you hear that are good for your mental health. It's like, do those or try them because it'll be little steps. And I I said little steps and that's important too. Like on those days where you feel like you can't get out of bed, sometimes you just have to make the, the goal smaller in your head. So make the goal, can I get to the shower and shower for five minutes? Like make that the goal for the day. And yeah. And so those little baby steps, I think are very important. I love that you said that, like, make that the goal for the day. I mean, right now people are spending a lot of time at home. We're about to get more isolated. It's the truth. And hopefully we are because we have to, to be responsible. I mean, if you look at other countries that are beating it and doing better than we are, I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, my kids just traveled, you know, we're obviously between New York and Massachusetts. I'm home working in Massachusetts. My husband is working in New York city And my kids went with him because they're remote right now and things got really bad. And because they're in New York and they're in school in Massachusetts, I'm living here. Basically, John's living there. Like they needed, we just, they needed tests to go back to school because everything just got crazy. So Mm -hmm. had we known that, like we wouldn't have sent them, but the responsible thing for us to do for all the other families is to not go to school on 
Thursday and Friday this week and, you know, get a test and, you know, stay home. And I wanted to encourage people for the holidays this season to like get a test and then incubate themselves, you know what I mean? For like two weeks and then get in the car and drive to their loved ones. You know what I mean? And the loved ones are doing the same thing same so that thing. they could be together. And I actually changed my mind and I never did it. And the truth of the matter is, is everybody just needs to give it just a little bit more time and not do any of those things and, and, and really isolate and stay home and zoom like crazy. Right. The one thing I want to mention about zoom too, cause we have to make a fuss about this zoom is the platform for the educational system, pretty much the remote educational system in the United States. Like that's the one that people are using. And they have like three different ways to use zoom. There's a paid one, there's a free one, and then there's the educational one. The educational one and the free one don't have closed caption. Mm -hmm. So people who have hearing loss, like my son, okay, and Mandy Harvey and people that I love who is on America's Got Talent, we're keeping them out of the conversation through the most widely used app. So this is a, I just found this out, by the way. I was just going to say, I hadn't heard this before. This, I, I didn't know this. So this is a little plea to Zoom. This is like my own personal thing. To just say, like, we should open up closed caption for people who are remote learning at home because totally. people have hearing loss and you add a mask to that. And then you add a Zoom call where people are talking and there's no possible way you can follow the conversation without closed caption. And so we really need that. Totally. Hopefully, if we can all go to Zoom's Instagram page or their Twitter page and just yeah. at them. Yeah. Just say, yay, open up closed caption. It's a little Heather Holla. The hell, the hell, yeah. You know, I saw they I saw they're opening up like the the paid version of it, I think on Thanksgiving or Christmas for the holidays, so people can zoom for as long as they need. So there's not oh, that's that. nice. So I know Zoom is a good company and they want to do the right things. And sometimes as maybe they just don't know. You just need someone to tell you sometimes the obvious. Well, and we're gonna make it happen. Maybe by the time this podcast airs, maybe it will have already happened. Because as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna go at them. <laughs> exactly. It's what we need, a little goodness. All right, well, we need a lot of things. And what are the, some of the things that are making you tick in COVID right now? Oh, gosh. You know, I love this a seasonal body wash from Philosophy. Have you heard of Philosophy? You know, <laughs> yes, like the, of course. They do a candy cane. They do a Christmas cookie. They have a pumpkin icing body wash. Yeah. And the three of those, that's like my father, father, son, and Holy Spirit of seasonal body wash. Like I, that. <laughs> That to me is like a self-care thing when I, I don't use it every day. I use another one, but it's like my special when I, when I need a little self-care, I'll use that. So that's, that's a good uh, gift giving item for men. Yeah. The, the, and it's the, the cheap. Three, it's, yeah. Philosophy is not, it's totally affordable. It's great. Okay. So how do you find your freedom? You know, I asked this question on my show, finding our freedoms, like living fearlessly. We've all heard that from Oprah, but it's real. And, you know, how do you find your freedom? Because it, it means different things to different people. So what does it mean to you and how do you practice it? Yeah, to me, I think uh, one of the things I learned doing my my silly pop culture podcast was to just embrace the things that I love. And I found that doing that helped me find a community of people that love the same things and that have the same reference points and similar senses of humor. Whereas before that, I think I had always maybe been career-wise trying to fit myself into molds of what I thought I should be or what I what I thought would be successful and that was never working for me and and so I I think I my finding my freedom is just embracing the things that I love and not being ashamed and and celebrating what I like and 
I think that is the ultimate goal for me in general is to not be ashamed of the things I love and to celebrate them. And, and yeah. I love it. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being on my show. I mean, I feel silly asking you this question, but please let my viewers know where they can find you and tune in to iconic, everything iconic. Such a delight. I'm so excited for you on Roni next season and I will continue rewatching your seasons on Hulu. Uh, But (laughs) You can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And my podcast is called Everything Iconic. And also throughout the holiday season, I have a spinoff podcast where I recap holiday movies. So Christmas, silly Christmas movies. And that podcast is called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. The two shows. Oh my God, I love that. I mean, maybe I need a, a spinoff. Woohoo! Yeah. You got me, we got the wheels turning, baby. It's fun to do something a little different. Yeah, little different. I, well, I certainly love, love, talk. I could talk to you for another hour, so you must come back, and I hope yeah. I can come back on Everything Iconic, yes. and we can keep up the conversation. Thank you for sharing all the things that you shared, and I, we, we ha- like, I do have to dig deeper on some of it, and I know we got kind of off on a housewives trail, which is your trail and mine too. This was the amuse boost. What do they say? Amuse bouche. Am I saying that right? This was like the appetizer. Yes, exactly. We'll have to do, we'll do the main course another time. We'll do the main course another time. Well, thank you so much, Danny Pellegrino. Thank you for having me. Truly my pleasure. Welcome to Hollaback. This is the part of my podcast where I answer all of your questions. M. Trickman asks, what was your training program for the New York City Marathon? How did you train with two kids and work? I love this question. I did not do uh, what would one would call traditional training. So I never felt as though that I had to run 26 miles ever except for the day of the race. So what I did is a lot of strength training in the gym. I did a lot of work on the treadmill. I used a treadmill that didn't, that only you power. It doesn't power itself. Those are really hard. Building muscles as I run, getting my strength up in my quads. Mostly the long distance running that I did was for my breath work. So the most I ever ran before the marathon actually happened was 18 miles. And yes, it takes hours. You're out there running for hours and training for hours. So you do have to carve out the time and dedicate yourself to it. But I would say follow my trainer, Rua Gilna. He's on Instagram. He's the biomechanist. It's the B-I-O-M-E-C-H-A-N-I-S-T. He really took me through, and you can DM him and stuff like that if you're thinking about running a marathon. He took me through strength training programs and then running programs uh, during the week and on the weekends. I loved doing the Central Park Loop, which is about six miles, and sometimes I would do it twice. So breaking up the training where I wasn't gone days on end for hours and hours a day running and training, I was able to balance it. So everything else pretty much got cut out of my life except for training for the marathon, work in my kids. That's how I did it. And I loved it. And it's a great race. So go for it. My next question is from Anne-Marie Plou at Anne-Marie Plou. She asks, what is the most valuable lesson you've learned that resulted from making a mistake you made in your career? I'm someone who believes our best education often grows out of our biggest mistakes and would love to hear your experience in this area. I second that, Anne-Marie. Ditto, ditto, ditto. I don't actually believe that any growth can happen without struggle and pain. I have an old adage that I have been using for a long time. It's a heatherism. It's only a mistake if you make it twice. The first time it's a lesson. 
look at it as a learning experience, look at it as an opportunity to grow. I think probably the worst mistake I ever made in my career was signing a bad contract. But if I didn't sign the bad contract, I wouldn't know not to do it. So my worst mistake was signing a bad contract, but it has been my best lesson because I'll never do it again. Thank you for the question. Love you all and be sure to follow along at I am Heather T and send me any questions. Don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcast and join us next week for another episode.